right, we will make sure we're done at 11 o'clock for the meeting. Uh, I'm sure you know this by now, but there's certain things in life that just don't make sense. Yeah, uh, we, got, we got this uh, letter of invitation this week from United Healthcare. That's where we get our health care from, uh, or some of us in the family. And uh, the invitation was for our family to go to a movie at a movie theater and also get free popcorn and free soda. Now, I looked at that and I said, my health care provider is telling our family to go sit and do nothing for two hours and eat unhealthy popcorn and unhealthy soda. What? <laughs> what? That doesn't make any sense. But a lot of things in life just don't make sense. I said in the sermon something along the lines last week that a non-praying Christian does not make sense. And if you remember the illustration, if, if you were out or if somebody was out in a field and they have a rifle and they have this 800-pound uh, black bear charging at them at 30 miles per hour and they, they know that the rifle would actually help them, protect them, and yet they don't use it, you would look at that person and you say, you don't make sense. Why don't you use the weapon that you have that can actually solve the problem? And of course, we were looking at a passage where God assures us that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. The non-praying Christian makes less sense than the person standing there with a rifle with a bear charging at them that refuses to use it. We have a great weapon in prayer. I don't make sense. So let me walk through a little bit of, of why uh, I don't make sense in, in, in the sense of why prayer should be something that is consistent in my life and vigorously pursued. Exhibit A. This list of promises from God about prayer here. I, we, TJ just read 10 of them for us, and there's many more. God pleading with his people that he will hear us. That very first one, the Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayers of the righteous. And last week we dealt with that a little bit, that the righteous are not simply uh, just those people who decide that they're righteous. No, they're people who have been given a righteousness outside of ourselves by the person and work of Christ. We've been given the righteousness of God through the gospel, and we seek to live out that righteousness. God promises he will hear us. And then as the, we're not going to go through all these passages, but just I wanted us to hear them. He promises to hear us as a good father. I'm a dad. I mostly know how to give good gifts to my kids. And then Jesus says, now you being evil, how much more? How much more will God give good gifts to his children who, who ask him? Right? Or the Matthew one, uh, Matthew 27 or 21, where he says, I mean, this just striking statement. Even if you tell the mountain to be, to be moved, it will do that. I mean, what a statement. God promises to hear our prayers. Sometimes, as we see in James, sometimes that will result in healing. Sometimes in James 1, that will result in being given wisdom or the, the psalm. Uh, passage, sometimes that will mean deliverance, or Philippians, sometimes it will mean peace that God's given in our hearts despite the circumstances that we're experiencing. Uh, the Psalm 102 passage talks about uh, even when life looks like God has forgotten about us, 
The passage is reminding, no, 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 even those who uh, are desperate, even those who are groaning in prison, even those, God hears their prayers. Or the John, uh, that series of John uh, phrases there, I in particularly pulled out the ones where if you caught that repeated statement, ask anything you wish, ask anything in my name, and the Father will do that for you. This is, of course, from the upper room discourse of Jesus pleading with his disciples, pleading with his people, ask, ask, and the Father will answer. Because it brings great glory to his name, and it brings great joy to your heart. So ask, ask. That's exhibit A. Exhibit B is that we actually get to witness this. I get to witness this in the lives of other people, that God actually does answer the prayers of his people. So last week in our passage, we saw how Elisha prays, and it does not rain for three and a half years. Then he prays again, and it does rain. You see that in the life of Samuel. He prays that it would rain and thunder, and rain and thunder comes. We talked about the, the early church praying for Peter and how God answers the prayer to release Peter from prison. On and on we could go about answered prayer in Scripture or in the lives of other people. I know many people. Who we, could, who we could connect the dot and say, yes, we prayed and God answered that prayer. Uh, you can pick up missionary biographies or Christian biographies or whatever it is and just read on and on. So it would make sense. I have clear evidence that God does answer prayer, so I too should be a praying uh, person. So exhibit A, scripture promises. Exhibit B, Living it out, seeing it lived out before me. And of course, exhibit C is I've personally experienced it. I've seen God answer prayer in my own lives. Uh, just even when we were, like we were preparing for this uh, series uh, months ago, uh, there's, there's this thing that happened several times in a row. I, I went to plug in my car uh, in the garage. So I have a car that needs to be plugged in. And... Uh, I, I was plugging it in and it wouldn't work. And I was like, oh man, what am I going to do? Because I'm, I'm pretty much a, an idiot when it comes to uh, maintenance stuff, uh, especially this. Like, what am I going to do? I can't, the, it's not working. So I'm plugging it in, I'm, <sighs> I'm blowing on it like the Nintendo game. <sighs> That's not working. <laughs> Doing everything I can, nothing's working. And so then I say, okay, well, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to just let this work. So I pray, put it in, boom, works. And I have this thought in my head, and it's like, I mean, you know, that's just a small thing, right? But then I ask the Lord, Lord, help me to just, as we begin to think about prayer more as a church, help me to just like something simple like this, convince me that you do hear prayer, that you, you, you are pleased to answer. About a week later, the exact same thing happens. <sighs> Blowing on it, nothing. Tapping on it, nothing. Pray, boom, it works. This happened at least three times, and you would think, you would think I would, that would awaken me. Maybe it did a little bit, but I still struggle. Last Sunday, right after service, we, uh, we went off to a thing, uh, our family. Dupree, anytime he sees our youngest, six years old, anytime he sees uh, video games, he wants to play them, arcade games. And he's never gotten to, but there was this one that had like Super Balls in it, and it was a guaranteed, guaranteed to win, which is 
50 cents, he had 50 cents, and it was a nice size Super Bowl. And I thought, well, that would keep him busy too for a while. So let's get the Super Bowl. So he puts the 50 cents in. Then in order, in order to actually win it, you, you have to keep shooting, you know, it's like a pinball thing. You pull it back and you're gonna shoot the Super Bowl through the goalie, so it's like a soccer game. And once, it, once you eventually make the shot, you get the Super Bowl. So, I mean, both of us probably took a good 10, 15 uh, tries at this thing. We just kept missing. Now, Dupree was never close at all, right? I at least kept hitting the goalie or the goalpost and stuff, uh, but he, he was like way off. So then Dupree, he says, Daddy, we should pray. It's a great idea. So I, I just prayed. I said, Lord, help us to, help us to win this Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Very next shot, Dupree grabs it. Boom, bam. And he made it. I thought, you got to be kidding me. Now, I'm not at all saying that this is how prayer works. I'm just saying, like, just logically, exhibit C. There's been enough things that I've seen in my life, in my own experience, that I should say, you know what? I think God actually does hear the prayers of his people. Now, you put all that together, I should be a praying man consistently, vigorously trusting that my Father, the eternal God, who tells me, come, ask, ask me whatever you wish in the name of the Son, and I will do that for you, that I would follow through. And yet, I still struggle. So why, why in the world is that? Well, I have a list of 20 things that personally... I struggle. Why I think I struggle. Uh, we have 22 minutes, so we're not going to make it. We're going to do as many as we can. I think we'll do six. Okay. So here's. <laughs> What's up? How many? Six. <laughs> Maybe we'll hit the rest on a podcast or something. All right. So number one, why I still struggle to pray. Uh, and then we'll respond to it. Maybe, maybe you'll identify with these. Number one is it's not tangible enough. Right? When I, normally when I speak to people, a lot of times it's I can see them or I can at least hear them on the other line. I'm speaking, they're speaking back, I hear them. It's this audible back and forth and I see them. I can reach out my hand and touch them, right? I remember the first time where this just really really be, stood out as like, what am I doing? Or what would somebody think? So I'm, we're down in our apartment in Chicago, and I can't remember what I was praying about, but I was frustrated with something in life, and I'm praying fairly loud, and we're in this little apartment, and the thought popped in my head is, what if one of my neighbors walked by right now and not only first heard me, but then knocked on the door and said, what are you doing? Like, what would I say? Say, well, I'm praying to God. And they're like, well, you're, you're kind of loud and talking. Like, you sound like you're crazy in there. You're talking to who? Well, I'm talking to God. Okay, well, where is he? Well, it's not like you can see him right now, but he's here. And my prayers are going to him. Well, what does he say back? Well, not nothing. I mean, I don't hear anything. I, he's, he speaks in his word, but... I mean, it just, all of a sudden it landed on me like, man, this is really strange. Like, it, it just doesn't feel tangible. Now, that's a reality. I think when, in order to kind of like speak back to that thought, I think we just, we reckon, that is true. It's not some, something ta- tangible. But that doesn't mean it's any less true, right? I mean, think of even, uh, I mean, one thing I thought I had as I was trying to, 
think through this, is, uh, you know, you might write a letter to someone. I don't see them. I don't, like, physically or audibly hear them. They don't hear me. I'm writing a letter to them from afar, and I'm expecting that my letter is going to get to them. They're going to hear it, and they're going to receive it. They're going to listen to it. Right, and I'm, I'm okay. That's not tangible, even though I'm writing it. And then my cynical self says, well, yeah, but I know that person. Is phys- I, can, I could pull them up a picture on Facebook and see them. Which all the more, I think, just hints at where my unbelief actually lands. It's just I simply don't trust that because it's not tangible, somehow it's not real. But that would be a lie. That would be, that would be telling God that all these things that he's promised are not true. And so then I just need to confess that to the Lord. Yes, Lord. I, I, I have doubted whether or not prayer even is real, whether or not you're actually listening. Just because I, I can't see you, I can't touch you, and now I confess that, God, give me, give me uh, faith where I lack it. Yeah? So that would be one. Uh, second, uh, I don't plan for it. All right, you know the old saying, if, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? I mean, uh, most books that talk on prayer are going to talk about the, the goodness of planning things. And that doesn't have to be legalism. That actually is out of a heart to want to do something, right? Uh, sometimes, especially as if, if you get married and have kids, you realize like you sort of have to plan spending time with your, your spouse, right? But you do it because it's important to you. That's why you're going to carve out space in your schedule. So we could be people that just plan for it. There's lots of great plans out there uh, you could talk with. Uh, one thing that I've, I've found to be incredibly helpful, actually, is something I've picked up from uh, Sam, Park, Danica uh, as well, um, is not necessarily having a, a plan, like a, a full-blown plan, which is, which is helpful, and there's some good plans out there. But planning just in your normal, everyday life, things that you normally do, where it tends to be empty space in your brain or your mind, right? For example, um, every day, let's say you drive from point A to point B, and you say, when, when I get to this corner, to that place, I'm, I'm going to make sure I pray in, in that time. Or every time I go to the bathroom, like on my way walking to the bathroom, Sam asked me once, can you pray for me every time you go to the bathroom? I thought, well, that's kind of brilliant, right? Because I'm going to go to the bathroom each day. And uh, if I can remember, like when I get up from my chair to walk towards the bathroom to pray for Sam, like that, that, that's a good practice. So that you can just think of things in your life where you normally just kind of have this empty mind space. And instead of just whipping out your phone and looking at something on the way, uh, maybe you say, you know, that I'm going to use that time to pray for A, B, and C. Yeah? So we can plan for it. Uh, third, uh, I don't view prayer as productive enough. Uh, I think this is really at the root of many of us, I would say. Uh, we live in a productive society, right? This is, what, this is the air we've breathed as we've grown up. There's a lot of benefits to that. Uh, you know, our, what we've grown up in is not practiced all over the world, right? So this doesn't make it right living because we, we like to be productive. We like to have schedules. We like to plan. We like to make sure when we do an activity, it has a certain outcome. Um, but it has its downfalls. 
And one of those would be that it can result in this sort of like, I'm not sure prayer is as productive as, say, us talking about an issue. Right? Like we have an issue we're trying to sort out, so let's, we have two hours, let's spend an hour and 50 minutes, hour and 55 minutes, and talk about it, and then pray at the end for five minutes or two. Right? It just demonstrates a little bit of how, how we think we need to bring our productivity into this in order to solve problems or figure out what to do. Uh, you might be familiar with uh, Martin Luther's famous quote. Uh, he said, work, work, from early until late. In fact, I have so much work to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Isn't that a different way to think about life? I, I'm so busy that I must spend three hours praying. Otherwise, there's no way I'm going to get everything done. <laughs> That's totally, totally opposite of us. But there's something there that's worth us listening to. It's a belief that praying actually is productive. Right? That, that, that God will empower us to do what we need to do for the day. We might not get everything done. That might be a reality. And maybe we need to face that reality. That getting all of our tasks done is not the best labor for the day. But simply communing with God. I remember uh, a friend that we had down in uh, Chicago. His name was Sammy. Sammy grew up on the mission field. Uh, went, ended up going back to the mission field uh, himself. But he grew up in, on the mission field. And his mom, every Saturday went out back on the hill and prayed all day. So Sammy, when he comes to Bible school at age 18, or whatever it was, he, most Saturdays, does the very same practice. I mean, that's what he watched his mom do. Now, over the, over the months and years, you know, uh, students would respond to that and think, you know, Sammy, that's, that's a little bit different. You know, you're spending all day Saturday praying, and uh, that's quite impressive. I mean, how do you do that? How, how can you sustain that? And I remember Sammy responding, as I'm interacting with him on this, asking this question, and I'm very impressed with him. And he, he just thought, like, that the fact that I was impressed with him was weird. He's like, well, where else are we supposed to have power for the week? Like, what? How are you supposed to be faithful in the Christian life if you don't spend all Saturday praying? What? What do you do? And I was sorely rebuked in that. I was like, yeah, right, duh, right? Yeah, because I think there's other productive things to do on Saturday. So if you experience this like this, like myself, I think this is a good call to repent, confess our pride, our independence, like, Lord, somehow my productivity is more important than me crying out to you for help. Because reality is, I can handle this one myself. So, you know, we repent. We say, Lord, I, I, I've trusted myself too much. I think too highly of my own plans, my own productivity. Uh, I don't want to live like that. Help me now to trust in you. Uh, number four, uh, why I struggle to pray consistently, 
uh, is that uh, I can set up life so that prayer doesn't feel necessary. Uh, we, we live in some of the most privileged times in the history of the world. The Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Have you ever felt that? Like, Lord, you need to come through on that one. Give us today our just daily bread. That's what we need. That's all we need right now. Just give us bread. Have you ever, have you ever in your life felt? I've never felt that. I've never had to think like that. You, you, you find yourself in a situation like that, a prayer, uh, prayer becomes your lifeblood. That is your only hope. It doesn't matter how productive you are. It doesn't matter your education. When, when all the bridges have been burned, so to say, or you just simply don't have anywhere to turn, prayer is your only hope. Now, I don't think it's wrong that we live in the place we live or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the danger of it is that we can set up life so that we don't need prayer functionally. We actually can get through the day without praying. We have nice insurance plans. We play it safe. We are a culture that don't like difficult things. We don't like risk. And yet when we read the, the, the New Testament, when we read the Old Testament, all you see is people taking risks for the sake of the kingdom. This is not home. This is not where we find our citizenship. We, we are on pilgrimage to the celestial city whose architect and builder is God, and we are willing to lose everything for the sake of the kingdom. This, this one probably gives me the most, uh, what's the right word, intrepidation, fear? Because I feel like, you know, I, I keep having to look at myself and say, am I playing it safe? Is that what I keep doing? I don't want to be someone that plays it safe. We have one life to live. I want to live it for Christ. That means getting in the, in the mess when we have to get in the mess. That means giving away our resources when there's a need. doesn't mean playing it safe or just doing the easy thing or only when I know it's going to be successful. It means seeing where the gospel needs to go and saying, we'll go. We'll give up what we have. It means seeing pain over in that part of the city and saying, I don't know what to do, but I'm going to jump in and try to help. I mean, is it not true? If we, if we get involved in things where we feel way out of our league, what are we going to do? We're going to pray. I just fear that sometimes we have the ability, like nobody else in the history of the world, our culture, to be able to set up life like this. It's a great blessing, but it's a great danger. Let us be people that use our situation, our circumstances in life, to actually be a blessing, to give away what we have, to serve, to be willing to lay down our lives for the sake of the gospel. Let that drive us to pray. So maybe one good response to this is just to simply go before the Lord and say, Lord, am I playing it safe? Am I living for comfort? Is there any way you would have me to step outside of my comfort zone? Is there any person to serve that I'm not going to know how to handle? 
Is there any place in the city that could use help that I can jump in and be in over my head, but I'm willing to do it for the sake of the gospel? Is there anything, anything you want me to do, any way you want me to go outside my comfort zone? Uh, number five, uh, why I struggle. Uh, I think we as a community, as a people, uh, struggle with the ability to be silent and still. Uh, think, think 200, 300 years ago, right? Um, it's five o'clock in uh, you know, Wisconsin or wherever you're living. I guess I, this is, now I'm probably showing my education. I don't even know when Wisconsin was founded. But for the sake of the illustration, uh, it's a long time ago before electricity. 1840, thank you. 1848, thank you. I really did know, but I wanted, I wanted Char to get some credit here. <laughs> so it's, it's 1848 or whatever, and, uh, you know, it's before electricity, whenever it, were, it is. I'm digging a hole here. It's before electricity, you're living somewhere. It's 6 o'clock at night. What are you going to do? You've eaten dinner. It's getting dark out. You're going to light the candle, light a fire, and sit and talk. Right? Maybe write a letter under the candlelight, whatever it is. There's not a whole lot to do, especially if you're living out where there's not like lights and stuff. So it, it, there's just a built-in setting that you have to be still. There, there's an automatic rest given, forced upon you. Now, a lot of electricity, computers, all this has been a great blessing, but suddenly you can be 24-7 with the lights on. You used to have television that, remember, like when I grew up, we still had one of those things where you had to stand there and go push the button to turn, turn the channel. And I would watch the same thing for hours, same channel, because I didn't want to get off the couch. <laughs> I mean, talk about lazy. But now you can just walk around with the television. You walk around with everything right on your phone. And all these things which are meant to make life easier, perhaps it's actually destroying something in us that was, is meant to be there. It's a, 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 the ability to be still, the ability to be quiet, and not keep filling our brains with something. Distraction. I struggle if I just have a quick 10 minutes to do nothing. I mean, that might be a good application for you if you struggle with this. Say, for the next week, every day, you're going to spend at least 10 minutes doing nothing with no noise on. Just going to go sit in a chair and do nothing. Maybe meditate on a passage of Scripture. That should be easy for us, but I think it's, it's, it can be quite difficult. All right, 1056, uh, we got time for one more. Um, perfect, this is six, is what I said I was going to do. All right, why I struggle to pray. Um, sometimes I might say something like this, I'm struggling too much to pray. Life is just too difficult right now to pray. Now, in one sense, that doesn't make any sense, right? Because it's like, well, that... That's not logical. If you're struggling in life, it only makes logical sense to pray. Uh, and that's true. Uh, but there are, I've found my own self, my, my, myself in life in times where I just, life has just hit me sideways and I'm disoriented. And it's like I can't even come up with words to pray. 
It's just, I don't even know what to pray. And I'm just struggling. And I'm guessing some of you had found yourself uh, in that situation. So um, what do you do with that? I mean, maybe that's you here today, where you just feel like, man, life is just so messy right now. I don't even know how to pray. If that's you, one of the greatest things you can do is find somebody to help help you hobble down the road. I mean, that, that's what Christian community is about. So you see somebody like that, you grab their arm, you put their arm around you, and you say, okay, let's go. You hobble with me. I will hobble with you. And it's okay to feel like you are the one that's hobbling right now, for, to put your arm around somebody and let them carry you down the road. That's okay. That's actually good. And so if that's you and you're struggling, I would really plead with you to make sure you find somebody this morning and, and let them know that. Let them pray with you. Let them, let them help you hobble down the road. There's something that we heard years ago, and we've not necessarily used these words, but practiced them in our home, is uh, there's these times where either myself is struggling too much to pray or really trust the Lord or Danica has, and it's this concept of uh, it's just coming alongside the person and saying, it's okay, I have enough faith for both of us right now. Now, obviously, theologically, that's not like, I, I can't have faith for another person. But you have to think about it communally and say, it's okay. I know this is hard, but I trust God. I trust the Good Shepherd. Let me grab your arm, put it around me, let's go hobble. We're just one foot in front of the other and hobble down the road uh, together. Now, that may sound like wishful thinking, but brothers and sisters, this is not just pie in the sky. These are sealed promises because of the, the death and resurrection of Jesus. This is why one of the reasons why we remind ourselves of the Lord's Supper all the time. We're not just making this stuff up. The Lord Jesus gave himself up to bring us to God, that we do have a Father who hears all of our cries. And so this morning, let us come and say, okay, Lord, I do struggle in prayer, and I know that I don't deserve it. I don't deserve the right to be able to come to speak the eternal God, but I'm going to trust it based on the death and resurrection of Jesus. If you're here today and are a follower of Christ, striving to walk in repentant faith in the risen Messiah, then the table is open for you. If you're here this morning and do not worship Jesus as the Christ or are walking in unrepentant sin, we ask you not to partake of the Lord's table. Uh, for Scripture says that it would be bad for your soul. But if you're here... Uh, in walking in repentant faith. We invite you to come, uh, grab the elements, return to your seat, and we will partake together. Brothers and sisters, uh, let us be reminded this morning that we are not righteous before God because we pray. We have the ability to pray because we have been made righteous. We've been made righteous, not because of our own doing, but because of the broken body of Jesus. The Lord Jesus, brothers and sisters, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it, saying, This is my body, which is for you, Christian. We're told that we are to drink the cup until the, and proclaim the Lord's death until he returns. Indeed, brothers and sisters, he is going to return. And when we are in his presence and without sin, we will no longer struggle to trust the Lord, to come to him, to wait on him, to hope in him. Oh, what a day that will be. That is what is before us, brothers and sisters, not because of you, but because of the finished work of Christ. For in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me.